0: dreams and money podcast the ultimate guides to creating and living your best life join me as i talk to inspiring trailblazing millennials who are breaking barriers and being bosses in their careers and personal lives On this episode, I speak to William Adwasi, an entrepreneur funding education in Africa through e-commerce. The CEO of Vitae London, a watch brand, talks about being mentored by business mogul Richard Branson, running a six-figure business at the young age of 19, having A-list celebrities wearing his watches and finding purpose through his pain, plus so much more. Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Dreams and Money podcast. As always, I have another amazing guest for you. And this time it is William Adiosi. He is the owner, CEO and head designer at Vite London, which is a watch brand. They have beautiful, beautiful, elegant watches. And not only are they a beautiful watch brand, but they're also a brand with a purpose, a brand that gives back. So hi, William. Welcome.
1: Hey thanks for having
0: me. No thanks for joining me. Um, How's your day been? You've been busy or?
1: Yeah it's it's been hectic. I feel like as sort of lockdown is lifting I'm just getting into like more and more meetings and like every day I'm just seeing like a booked out calendar which is good for business anyway so yeah I'm just just pushing on really.
0: Yeah so you're like you're booked and busy at the moment which is like what we like that's what we want. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what we yeah. want I mean the more booked and busy the more sh- money we're getting so
1: <laughs> no, doubt.
0: no doubt so tell me a bit more about yourself and Vta and how your journey started becoming an entrepreneur
1: yeah of course so I yeah, recently turned 30 as yeah as you said I'm the founder of Vite London vta has been going for about four years now so I launched it in January 2016 when I was 25 and yeah, we've just been going from strength to strength. Vitae is actually Latin for life. So our whole mantra is to be the fashion brand changing lives. So with each watch we sell, we in turn help support a for education across sub-Saharan Africa by either providing them with a full set of school uniforms for the year or with a solar lamp, meaning they don't have to burn harmful fuels or walk for hours in order to study in the evenings. So yeah, in essence, that's kind of a background on, on myself and the brand. Um, before vt, yeah, I worked a few jobs in the city as like a senior salesman. So I was doing some jobs in recruitment and insurance brokering. And before that, I ran my own business when I was 19 as well, which was the sports academy. So we had various coaches we were sending into schools all across London. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of a background.
0: I mean, you've just said quite a lot there. So from not only when <laughs> you were 19 to now, it seems like you've accomplished a lot. So from not only owning two businesses, you've also worked in the city as well, which we're going to get into. But just to give everybody more context about Vitae as well, I mean, you guys, like you said, you've been around for about five years and you've been featured in some of the biggest media outlets, including Forbes magazine and CNN. Um, I was just looking now, your Instagram is almost at 60,000 followers, which is amazing. As well as when I was doing my research, you know, I've seen you guys have collaborated and worked with and you've had some of your watches worn by some of the biggest celebrities including Ashley Walters you've had Michelle Williams um, from mm. Destiny's Child Boris Kojo, Emily Sunday as well as the business mogul Richard Branson mm. how have you managed to get the Richard Branson wearing your watches and championing you
1: yeah uh, for me i think it's just a uh, it's a game of synergy um, it's about finding the people that you hold in high stead I'm finding enough of them that have a heart for what you have a heart for. So one of the regions in sub-Saharan Africa we support is South Africa. And I've always known that Richard Branson has had a huge heart for South Africa. And thankfully, out of, I think it was 10,000 businesses, my business, Vitae was chosen as one of a thousand businesses to receive some funding from Virgin. And then following on from that, from the thousand businesses, they were looking for ten to become ambassadors for Virgin, and I was thankfully chosen as one of them. That's um,
0: incredible.
1: So yeah, so from being an ambassador and then shooting like a really epic video in South Africa, um, we ended up being on on his radar. And then I was chosen as one of two of the ambassadors to get mentoring from him and to interview him in front of a live audience. And yeah, that's where those exchanges have come about. And he's managed to hear about the brand and shared about us on the Virgin website and his social medias as well. So yeah, that's the bit about that, really.
0: That's amazing. Like how, what was that experience like being mentored by him?
1: For me, it's been an incredible journey to understand why he is where he is today. One of the biggest lessons I've learned from him is just the power of of PR. He's just like a PR genius. He's always looking for opportunities. So for instance, the time we met, one of the times we met was in front of a live audience. In the middle of the talk and the panel, I actually got up and gifted him a watch. In turn, he took off his watch and gifted it to me
0: Wow! And he gave me
1: a wad of cash. And then he released an article the next day on the Virgin website, just explaining the power of not giving away your best assets and why he felt like he had to pay for my product as opposed to receive it for free. And I just found that so interesting how off one exchange that we had on that stage, he managed to build a whole press release around it. And he managed to spread the word and in essence, have his brand be held in, in a higher esteem. As a result, so I've just yeah, just being around him, I learned so much about the power of PR and branding, and being able to scale and grow a business.
0: And that's so evident in how you've branded Vite, and how just looking at the the Instagram, the way the feed looks, looking at your website, it's so clean, it's so crisp. As well as some of the celebrities that I mentioned working with them, and I can imagine that's played a massive role in pushing the brand forward. What impact has that had on I guess getting more people attracted to the brand?
1: For me, from the outset, I've always had a creative eye. So I designed all the watches, I designed all of our earlier websites, all the branding guidelines, et cetera, because yeah, it's always been a it's always been something that's in me. And I think in order to have a brand that competes on the playing field where everything else is branded so well, like if you look at any other watch brand that's doing well, you can tell that branding is a key thing that they focus on. Absolutely. So in order for us to compete, I knew that mine had to be just as good, if not better, than all of my competitors to even just stand a chance. So that's been something that's been really important to me. And the beauty of me focusing so hard on that is that it's meant when we do encounter Richard Branson or an Emily Sandé or an Ava DuVernay, They've seen the quality and the time we've put into our work, and then they're happy to endorse us, which yeah, in turn yeah. means more of the world hears about us, and in turn means we get to spread and make even more of an impact. So, yeah, I think branding is so key, especially in a space like ours, where the look, the feel, the aesthetics of a product is so, so important.
0: Absolutely, and it almost goes with a certain lifestyle. It's attached to a certain feel and an aesthetic that you as a consumer want to be associated with and you want to be attached to as well.
1: 100%, 100%.
0: So looking back at your... Earlier experience in business. So, you said you started a business when you were 19. When I was reading up, I'm not sure if these figures were correct, but I saw somewhere where it said it was almost a six figure business just at the young age of 19. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it was more. Yeah, we did over six figures. And that was, as I said earlier, it was a sports academy. And I think that was the biggest learning curve of my life, I would say. It was like a baptism of fire. Just being like, <laughs> so I had done a year of university. I dropped out, I started my business. I then went on to finish uni later on part-time when I was working in the city. But at that point, all I was doing was business full-time. And I I had two other business partners who had also seen the gap in the market. And we just worked so ferociously to build this business. But then unfortunately, at point, I think it was year three, so I was about 21, 22. At that point, the government made some changes, which meant the funding that the schools we were working with Um, The funding dried up for them. Um, So it was no longer a viable business as the schools couldn't afford to upkeep for the payments anymore. Um, So we went from building and growing this business that was doing well, winning national awards to overnight, in essence, having to shut down. And I just learned so much from it because I realized that we didn't seek to diversify um, where our income was coming from which is a big lesson I learned Um, another big lesson I learned as well is like I was just this 19 year old kid that was so excited so we got office space we we spent so much money on different aspects of things that in retrospect we didn't need to Um, and that Could, that could you
0: give us an example sort of things that you may have done that were actually not necessary to grow the the brand and the business
1: Yeah, I mean, so for instance, as I mentioned, office space, I would say is a big one, was a big one for us, because we were hit with all these um, overheads and all these additional bills we didn't even know would be coming. And that just dried up our cash flow a lot. Whereas if we just decided to be agile, if we decided to even maybe work from home, but then have a meeting space where we can meet clients and interview people, that would have been a, a much better way of working a much more streamlined way of working as opposed to thinking, oh, we've made a bit of money, let's, straight, let's rush into an office, let's rush to to look the part, but not less thinking yeah. about the cash flow implications. So yeah, that's why I say I, I learned a lot from, from that season.
0: And what are some of the things that you've implemented from that brand and some of the lessons you learned from building that business and that being shut down to VTA now? And what are some of the things that, You've applied and the knowledge you've crossed over into the new business?
1: I would say I learned a lot about the power of, I guess, working with others and understanding like my management style and the kind of people that I would work best with. Um, that's been a really, really key lesson for me. Um, obviously, better understanding cash flow and ensuring that we, we balance cash flow better than I was doing back then is a massive lesson. Yeah, just knowing that cash is king has been really really key Um, also like from then i I didn't fully grasp it but now when i look back i realized i understood the the power of being able to present your idea being good at pr being good at marketing and how like even just confidence makes such a big difference um two people can have the exact same product but one is just marketing it branding it better and doing it with a level of confidence that ensures that they win in the market so
0: yeah, yeah I learned, they almost I learned, come they look- legit from the get-go they, they look like they they're already playing the part so people believe and in buy into the brands automatically because of how it's 100%. been presented to them
1: 100 percent. so yeah i learned about the power of a lot of those things and it's yeah it's really helped helped what yeah everyone sees today with Vite.
0: At the moment, have you employed people to help you with Vitae or are you still kind of like managing everything yourself or you're still managing a lot of the aspects of the business yourself? It could be, you know, finance, the branding, to logistics of the, the business.
1: There's no way I could do it by myself. Um, I've got, yeah, there's there's too many gaps in my abilities to, to run this beast on my own. But so we, I've got a team that helps with like our customer support and customer service. I have a director who's like our operations lead, so he deals with all those aspects of things. So, when an import comes in, ensuring that we can correctly quality check and quality control every single product, um, ensuring that stock levels are always up to date, ensuring all products are shipped out in a timely manner. And then we've also got members of the team that help with like our influencer, outreach and strategy, member of the team that helps out with PR. And last year, December, we actually um, trained up and recruited three people in Ghana as well. Um so that we could provide jobs over there and they've been supporting in marketing. So yeah, it there's, oh, there's quite exciting. a few of us now. Yeah, that are all building this building this together. Um so yeah, it's it's definitely way more than just me.
0: So in terms of like because i feel like with watches it's one of those products where it's quite different to clothing where for instance as someone so as a shopper you can go into zara 10 to 15 times in a year whereas like with watches it's one of those things where you may buy one or two in a year you know maybe three or four and from the same brand too how do you then manage that in terms of getting repeat customers and not always having to work to get new customers do you know what i mean
1: Yes, of course I mean it's an interesting analogy. I guess the difference is, for instance, our average product would cost um around two hundred pounds, whereas the average clothing product may cost say twenty pounds mm. so in order for them to even match up to one of our sales they would have to sell 10 if that makes sense so yeah although we may not get as many repeat buys we still get a really really good number a really good level um and we often have people that will buy a product for themselves then and, and buy it for a family member for a birthday buy it for someone else for christmas for instance so yeah just going along that track we we do still get quite a, a few repeat customers um, but what we found as well is the beauty of our brand is that it's a real organic word of mouth type of brand. So all the pe- often the people that purchase from us will go on to tell the story of the brand to their friends and their family, which enables us to then grow and scale that way as well. Um, right. so yeah, that, that's how it's worked for us.
0: Okay. And I, I guess the, the beauty of that, like you said, it's, it's in the story and it's a brand with a purpose. And then because of that, your customers almost champion the brand for you and they almost want to see you winning because they believe in what you're doing and they believe in the cause. Is that something that was almost strategic or it just sort of happened with matching up your passions of education and giving back? as well as aligning it to the brand and making sure it wasn't just a an e-commerce brand and it wasn't just for profit, but it actually benefits somebody else and it's benefiting children in Africa and making sure that they are able to go to school and that whole story.
1: Yeah, I guess for me, um, I'd worked in the city, I'd made good money, um, I knew what it was like to make money, but then I got to a point where money alone just wasn't satisfying me money alone just didn't give me enough of a kick and a drive like i knew i had to be living and working for a much deeper purpose so from the inception of Vite, i guess for, for me it's always been key that we were a brand that was more than just for making money i wanted to stand for something and um, typically when people purchase a watch it's a statement piece to tell the world how much money they've been able to acquire um, but with Vita, I wanted to flip the industry on its head and actually create the narrative where people wear our watches and they're not saying how much money they can acquire for themselves, but it's a statement piece saying how much they can give back to the world, how much they can give to someone else in need. Um, and that's, yeah, that's always been our heart from the beginning. So the beauty of that is that a lot of people with a similar heart have come alongside us and championed us and, and helped push us. So. Even though it's obviously cost us money to do this, um it's actually probably made business sense anyway because of the amount of people that have pushed us as a result of it um so it's a win win situation in in that in that case,
0: absolutely, yeah, I can definitely see how people would be attracted to the brand not not only because the watches are beautiful but because they know that they are contributing to something bigger than them and contributing to somebody else through their own purchase and through something that you know otherwise would just be another watch brand they could have got you know they they are contributing to something that's so much more um so what what are some of the countries that you have worked with in in Africa so you mentioned South Africa um I think you mentioned Ghana as well what are some other countries have you been able to contribute to yeah
1: so we've been limited in our contribution of various countries because we want to make sure that we really tackle issues in the countries we're in before we move on um Um, but yeah the countries we we've supported children so far are south africa lesotho um zimbabwe uganda and ghana at the moment um but yeah as we scale as we grow the dream is to affect as many countries as possible i don't I know the countries have been demarcated by the West and said, this is that country, that's that country. But to me, when I go to see a young black boy in South Africa or Uganda, I still see myself. So I'm I'm not too like keen to just stick to a certain amount of countries. I want to try and infect as much of sub-Saharan Africa as physically possible.
0: And have you been able to visit some of those countries as well or has it mostly just been supporting or contributing from over here in London yes. or the UK? So yes, yeah,
1: so the, the countries we've made the biggest impact in have been South Africa and Ghana and I've been to both of them four times, um, so, so eight times in total since we've launched Vite. So for me it's actually crucial that I, I head out there, I understand the work on the ground better I understand how we can support and also to be able to display back to our customers um, the impact that they're having, the direct impact they're having on lives. So, yeah, for me, it's important to be out there as much as possible. And my family is actually in the process of moving to Ghana um, at the moment. So, yeah, I'll be able to to actually see the work a lot more frequently on a first-hand basis.
0: Wow that's so exciting what do you mind if I ask kind of what's um, the reason for the move and you know because living in Ghana and living in the UK is two completely different things Um, like I was lucky enough to to live in Ghana for a short while and I absolutely loved it it was like best experience of my life but obviously the lifestyle the pace of life is so completely different what was the inspiration behind that?
1: I guess the inspiration has been... We could probably have a whole podcast that's discussing it, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I like to see myself as a bit of a visionary. And I just see a beautiful vision for sub-Saharan Africa. I see an amazing future. I see it as the one place in the world where there's going to be amazing growth and scale. Um. And I want to be in there as early as I can. I want to be in the mix. I want to be a part of that. Also, I just want to directly positively impact the economy over there I want to be able to use my skills and abilities as I said we've been able to hire three people so far I don't see why in a year or two that can't rise to 10 or 20 people that we've hired and we keep scaling from there so that's kind of the reasoning behind it I just have a a massive heart for it and I feel like I'm meant to be one of the people that's out there helping to build. And v will still run the way it runs now. So we have a director that's still based here in the UK. Shipping will still be done from here in America. But for me, it's just important that, yeah, for me, my base is back home in Ghana.
0: Yeah, I love that. And hopefully we'll get to maybe see or learn from your experience of, of moving back home and how that process is. And you never know, like I'm sure others will be inspired by your move and decide to follow suit, whether that's to Ghana or Zimbabwe and Nigeria or South Africa, wherever it is that they're from and maybe kind of want to make that impact too and contribute directly to the economy of Africa and to building Africa as well. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Yeah, so you um, hosted a TEDx talk and I found it interesting because it was titled Finding Purpose Through Pain. Can you talk me through that a little bit and what was the inspiration for those who have not seen it? Um, I would absolutely encourage you to go and watch it. It was is very touching.
1: Yeah, I guess it's just something I've noticed in the building of business, in watching other people who have succeeded in their pursuits, is that often the things that pain us the most, the things that maybe even negatively affect us the most. Often we feel those pains the most because we were meant to be the ones to create the solutions. I strongly believe that often there might be something that frustrates you and everyone around you doesn't understand why that frustrates you so much, but then it agitates and frustrates you. And I think the reason being is because you're meant to be the one to to be about that solution. And if you find purpose in your pain, if you find a reason to build what you're doing through that pain, it often gives you a much deeper drive um, and much deeper willingness to push through than if it wasn't through that pain. And for me, it was the pain of my dad, who was the first in my family line to learn to read and write, and how that broke a cycle of poverty in our family and the struggles he told me about his educational pursuits and how a little bit of money would have made such a big difference to him. And I think about all the thousands of people that are going through the same issues my dad went through. So that's a pain. That was a pain that, that hit me. And, and also just the pain of working a job. I wasn't particularly passionate about the pain of having to wake up for that nine to five every day, seeing that cycle, telling myself, no, like, I know I'm called to do something creative. I know I can build something creative. So it's just those pains and frustrations, once you really start to sit back and understand them, they can really propel you into what you're you're meant to be doing.
0: I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't agree more. Like, I think there's, def- there's a reason. Like, I'm one of those people, I believe that there's a reason for everything and there's a reason why we go through certain things and the reason why you, as people, you may be placed in a certain situation and that then teaches you, lessons and those pain and the struggles that you go through you're able to then pass it on to somebody else as a lesson someone else is able to learn through your experiences to learn through your pain and it lets you kind of make the impacts that you want to make so for instance like you're saying just the fact that your dad was not Struggled through his his education, and now you are making sure that others are not struggling through their education, and you're really making conscious effort to to stop that for somebody else. Like it's, is absolutely amazing, and like, and like you said, it's there's purpose in that pain, and it can create a bigger impact if you let it, and an impact that goes beyond you and it goes beyond your immediate circle, but can really, like you're saying, just just impact a whole entire generation even so you know it's absolutely inspirational what are some of the biggest positive lessons that you, you've learned throughout your entrepreneurial journey and vitae as well as you know working in the city
1: um I think I always mention the same lessons because I think they just they just ring true one of them being just the power of starting small I speak to so many people on this journey and they're like I've got this phenomenal idea I want to do this I want to do that and nine times out of ten when I ask them great like what have you done so far they turn around and say oh nothing here and what I've realized is that in life we see our dreams and visions like these massive mountains that stand before us and they in turn actually end up being intimidating to us and we become so intimidated by the scale of our dreams that we end up doing nothing at all. Whereas if you can just take one small step every single day, do one little thing towards that business idea or that venture, before you know it, you look back and all those tiny steps would have accumulated to you climbing that whole mountain that seemed impossible at at one point. I would always encourage people to start small and don't be intimidated by the scale of your dreams and also don't be intimidated by how small you're going to start. Every great business you see today started with just an idea. And that's, that's one piece of advice I always try and give people. And another piece of advice I always try and share is for people to live like no one owes you anything. And it sounds harsh, it sounds extreme, but I honestly believe if, if you live as if no one owes you a thing, if you live without any sort of entitlement, um, it pushes you, one, to work harder because you realise that you need to really earn people's support just through merit. And also it pushes you to be a lot more grateful because you realise that when your friends or family in turn buy into what you're doing or if anyone buys into what you're doing, they never actually had to. There was no entitlement that they had to. So as a result, you become more grateful for all the blessings that come on the way. And I honestly believe that gratitude gives birth to more wins. So, yeah, those are the two pieces of advice I always try and share because I feel like they've, they've definitely changed my life.
0: Mm -hmm. The second part is speaking to me and it's something I'm learning now. Just the fact that, like you said, nobody owes you anything and not necessarily in a negative way. But like you said, you do have to earn people's respect. You have to earn the accolades. You have to earn the support. And not to say, you know, they they can't support you and push you and maybe promote your business or um, your venture or whatever it is you're doing, but your friends and your family are not always your customer. They're not always mm. your your target audience. And you also have to understand that they them parting with their money to support you, the hard-earned money, they don't have to do that. Um, so yeah. you at least have to meet them halfway by creating a product and creating a service that they would use anyway. Not use because they are your family or your friend, but use because it, it's great. And it's it's a great product and it's a great service and it's something they would be absolutely proud to stand behind and promote on your behalf anyway. I
1: not agree more.
0: So for you, because I feel like I see this a lot on social media where it's like, um, oh, if your friends don't support you, then, you know, like get rid of them. (laughs) Or like they are not your true friends and your family if they're not out here buying all your stuff, retweeting all your stuff. Um, promoting all your stuff like what do you think about that
1: for me i just see it as i've just seen it time and time again when i'm consistently excellent my friends support i don't think there's ever been a time where i have and there's never been a time where my friends have been consistently excellent and i haven't supported in any way so for me if the first time you you push out something great they don't support the second time the 10th time if they still don't support there may be something up there but I doubt that you'll get to a point where someone's actually your friend and you've consistently been working for so long and there's been no support whatsoever. Um, so I, I always just point to myself. I don't like to point to friends or anyone else. For me, it's about, okay, these people aren't pushing this how I thought they would push it. That means there might be something wrong with my approach, the way I've marketed it, the way I've branded it. So I just see that as a as a way of getting instant feedback as to what I could do better as opposed to getting bit, bitter or salty because that that in turn doesn't actually achieve anything. It doesn't propel you. If anything, it hinders you back because you wallow in that self-pity where you could be strategizing and building for, for the next product or project.
0: Absolutely. And I think just as we were talking, another thing I was thinking of is something I try to do as well sometimes is just to ask for feedback. From friends and just be like guys what do you think about this mm. what could I have done better like feel free to be brutally honest with me and it may be uncomfortable to hear it may be feedback you don't want to hear however you know like you can't grow and you can't progress further if you're not going to listen to the same person that you could be your, your audience or your your target audience or your future customer so it definitely does kind of help to push yourself outside of that comfort zone and hear the harsh truth if needed that you need to hear.
1: 100%.
0: So with everything that you've gone through now, what what can we look forward to with Vitae? I know you've started the eyewear as well, um, Mm. which looks absolutely amazing. Like when did that start and how did that come about?
1: Yeah, I guess with the eyewear, I think from the inception, I'd always had a heart to branch into other accessories. Um, But for me... I just wanted to nail watches for as long as possible before branching out. And we still got a way to go in terms of pushing with the watches. But I, I felt like the brand had got to a point where if we introduced a new product, it wouldn't have um, affected us negatively in any way. Um, so that's why I felt. It was time and we were ready to, to create the eyewear, um, which have been some ideas that have been in my head for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, I was really excited to launch that a couple of months ago, and we 've had amazing feedback we've we 've almost sold out on most of the collection so yeah that 's been that 's been great to do and yeah, excited for the future. The future is just us doing what we 're doing now on a bigger scale, being able to impact more lives, looking into other accessories that i I love personally, that I love to work with and design um, i don 't want to give away too much now, but yeah the dream is for me to keep designing in a few other verticals and yeah keep killing it with watches create more and more watches that people love that people resonate with that people can't help but purchasing
0: yeah no i love that and like they just they look beautiful um and they're kind of the pieces that last a lifetime and are just classic and classy as well that you know you can um give as give as gifts like you said and just kind of keep for years and years and years so before we come to a close we're going to do a quick little game of like my random and wonderful questions are you ready i'm
1: ready i'm ready
0: okay so what advice would you give to your 16 year old self
1: i wouldn't give myself any advice and the reason i say that is because i think all the lessons i've learned have shaped me more than any advice someone would have given me And the things that people class as L's or losses or whatever, I actually just see those failures as just amazing learning blocks. Um, So I would personally not give myself advice because I'm thankful for the journey I've been on.
0: Beautiful. Okay, what's your favourite part about being a CEO?
1: Um, Autonomy and freedom. Um, In one sense, you're restricted more than anyone because in essence... You have to work around the clock, but I like the beauty of being able to say, "Okay, next next week, if I want to go away for a week, I can, and I don't have to ask a boss or report into anyone in order to do so." If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, I, I love the autonomy and freedom. I think I was always born and raised to be someone who was quite free and free thinking, and always went a bit above the a bit against the grain of what everyone else was thinking and doing.
0: And just doing that, and it really does come across. I mean, from the fact that you know you were saying owning a business at nineteen and a successful business at that is um, just testament to your character. Um, okay, so next question: What would you say has been your the biggest attribute to your success so far?
1: Oh, um, like I, if I'm honest, I truly believe in. I believe in God. I believe in. I'm a guy of, of belief in something bigger than myself. So I think the biggest, obviously I've worked hard. I've, I've done all that I can on my part, but I do believe that there's been a power that's greater than me that's opened the door for me to meet Richard Branson or to, to bump into Pharrell Williams or, do you know what I mean? Like some of these occurrences, although they seem like they're chants, they seem too well set up for it to have just been chance. Mm. Um, so I think that's been an amazing part of our, our journey is knowing that once we give this thing our all, there's a, like a power and force greater than us that's propelling us into the next level as well. Um, so yeah, that's what I would, I would say for sure.
0: I love that. So, um, okay, so two questions. One, <laughs> what was your experience like encountering pharrell and to who has been your favorite celebrity that you've had the opportunity to meet or work with
1: so yeah meeting pharrell was amazing he's just so like i can't explain it there's a real calming spirit when you're around him he's just like he personifies cool right so yeah yeah just being around him was yeah was was dope we got to chop it up for a bit um, showed a lot of love for the brand, managed to get a watch to him, so that was great. And then I think the person I was most like, I've met so many, I've met like Prince Charles, and I've met so many like incredible people or people who are held in such high esteem. But for me, the one that really resonated was probably Ashley Walters. Um, I personally grew up in like Peckham and Campbell, so growing up, seeing so solidly crew, I think like so solid, true was even like my email password at one point do you know what I mean like that's how much of an impact they had in terms of culture in in South London so
0: So someone would say manifestation right there (laughs)
1: yeah literally literally so to meet to meet him but not only meet him with a lot of celebrities there's like a level of kind of friendship that still goes on today so I can just text him today about anything and he's He's just like a very humble down-to-earth guy and someone who I feel like I relate to a lot more than maybe some of the other celebs purely because we've come from literally the exact same kind of background. So for me, yeah, Ashley Waters is probably up there as one of the most like impactful meetings and yeah, one, one of the meetings I'm extremely grateful for.
0: Great. Okay, and then the last question I'm going to ask is what are you grateful for at the moment? What's something you're just like this is making me happy and bringing me joy?
1: Ooh, um, I would just say my family. If I'm honest, like being on lockdown, as negative as this season has been, I think there's been beauty in this season, like being able to spend time with my wife, with my daughter, and just we're usually in this rat race going so hard that we don't actually get time to look left and right at the things that matter the most. And i would definitely say my family is what matters the most. And in this season, it's been apparent. Um, so yeah, that's one thing I'm grateful for: the fact that the whole world slowed down so that we could actually see what was the most important things to us.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It has definitely been a learning curve,
1: um, mm.
0: both negative. I mean, both negative lessons about the world, but then also positives and and just letting us slow down and think, like think about what's important, think about what we want um and just stop being busybodies, um just kind of running around like headless chickens especially in the western world especially in busy busy london so which i mean you said you are moving so that's going to be a change for you and hopefully a positive change from busy london to a much calmer ghana so that yeah i'm excited for you let us know how it goes i wanna we we want all the youtube videos we want to see the updates on twitter and everything and how that's going so we can too we can follow suit
1: no doubt my wife's actually looking to start a youtube channel so oh really yeah she'll definitely be keeping everyone up to date with all our progress on the move
0: okay i will definitely be subscribing and watching (laughs) because if i could move to africa right now i really really would so yeah i feel
1: like there's (laughs) going to be a big movement i think in five to ten years we'll see a real real big shift so I'm happy to be one of the people that are yeah going out and making it happen early on
0: yeah yeah for sure and you were born here right or you were born
1: no I was born and raised here born and raised here yeah born in oh, South yeah. London lived in Peckham and Camberwell growing up always lived here but I don't know on some of my most recent trips to Ghana I've just the sense of peace I felt out there and just I've just sensed this where I'm meant to be and although the the country's karma in my office with my business we're still going to be going fast and we're still going to be building strong um so I, I love that we get to experience both worlds if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah and, and bring the two worlds into one did you feel like you were home like once you went to, to Ghana or was it did it feel like a strange place you can kind of relate to or did you just kind of fit in once you got there
1: it's weird because I feel like if you've grown up in the west there's always going to be an element where you feel like you don't fully fit in. Um, in Ghana, the, the the term for white man is Obroni, um, mm-hmm. and it's funny. Like you walk around, you won't even say a word, but they can just tell from your mannerisms, the way you walk, that you grew up outside. So that like they will they'll create jokes to say Obroni, etc. Um, so there is that element of like understanding that you have not fully grown up here but then there's that element of knowing that no matter what it's it sort of feels as if you're entitled to be there it's your home there's no one can take that away from you um no matter what and I think there's something beautiful in that and especially on my most recent trips I've just I've really felt that it's my home I've really felt that it's exactly where I'm meant to be um so yeah excited to see how how the big move actually goes
0: yeah, well, I'm excited for you. And thank you again for joining me and telling your story and, you know, dropping all your gems with us. I'm sure someone else has learned something. I definitely have. So where can we find you? Where can we shop, Vite, and all your information?
1: Yeah, no doubt. So in terms of finding me, um, my full name yeah, is William Adwesi. Um spell A-D-O-A-S-I. And that's my yeah, if you search that in any social media, um you'd be able to find me. And then with V T London, that's V-I-T-A-E, followed by London, and the same. That's the handle for Instagram, Twitter. Um, Facebook etc so yeah you can search for us on all platforms there
0: okay thank you so that's it for this episode make sure to catch me on the next episode as always I'll have another amazing inspiring guest for you thank you for listening